Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning to you. My name is John Warnock. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Dogwood. Again, we're glad that you are here to worship God with us. Words matter, don't they? I mean, they matter big time. Early in June, my wife and I got to travel with a couple of friends, and we got to tour a little bit of Ireland and tour a little bit of Scotland. And one of my things that I was looking forward to, um, anybody ever seen the movie Braveheart? Yeah? All right. One of the best movies ever made. I wanted to see the William Wallace Memorial or Monument, whatever they call it, and they actually were supposed to have his sword there. And so we found this tour that was supposed to take us all around, and one of the things that it, the tour said in the description is that you'll get to see the William Wallace Memorial Monument. So it was like one of the last things, and we still hadn't seen it, and I'm going, what, what's going on? And so we, we spent most of the day on this tour. We finally get to this castle, and the guy says, okay, before y'all get out to go explore this castle, I want you to look off in the distance, and you see that kind of really tall-looking structure over there on the other mountain. That's the William Wallace Memorial. And I went, you said we were going to see it. And he goes, yeah, see, look, you're looking at it. I was like, wait a second, words matter. Our understanding of what is said and how we interpret things, it matters, can make a huge difference. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this. It says, reckless words pierce like a sword. Reckless words pierce like a sword. So think of it. If our words literally were somewhat like a sword, and I have one today. It's not William Wallace's. doesn't even look like it. But our words, they're, they're sharp. They can pierce like a sword. I know some of you right now are thinking I'm about to go Gallagher on this watermelon. For those that don't understand that, don't worry. Um, I digress. But our words, they pierce like a sword. And so if I was to stab this watermelon like so, there's damage being caused to that watermelon, yes? And we would still all eat it. Because it's a good watermelon, I would imagine. But I want you to think about it for a second. If our words, Scripture describes our reckless words like that sword, can pierce into people. So that even if I was to take that sword out, there's damage done on the inside. So even if I go to someone and say, you know what, I'm really sorry for the words that I spoke. I've I've hurt you. On the inside of that person, there's damage that I can't even see that's been done. And yes, over time that person will heal, but, but what does it heal with? If you get stabbed with a sword and you survive it, you have a scar there forever, right? Now, if you're like me, a rush of words that you have said over the years where you've caused harm to people may have come flooding into your mind and you're going, oh man, I cannot believe that I have done those things and said those things to people. And I have to confess to you, I've, there's been times in my life where I've hurt some of the people that are closest to me by the words that I've said, the words with friends, with family. I've said things to them because I was tired after a long day at work. I was frustrated at something else, and so something comes out, and you're just going, oh, I can't believe I've said that. But, I've, but I'll also tell you, I've had words said to me that I will never forget. When I was a sophomore in high school, I had to take a Spanish class because I wanted to get the college prep seal, right? Some of you guys are working on that if you're in, college, or in high school. And so I had to take Spanish. Well, I stink at languages. I barely know English. And um, it's, it's kind of neat to me that God's got me in a position where I do overseas mission trips because I really have a hard, hard time. I try to learn people's languages. I just I can't get it. 
Um, and so Spanish for me was very, 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 very hard in high school. And I still remember one particular teacher who named me Justino because by the time she got to the W's in the alphabet, she already had four wands and didn't want another wand in her class. So she renamed me Justino, which is Justin, by the way. And she would literally beat on my desk with her bat and call me estupido. Call me estupido all the time. It wasn't just me. There were about two others in that class that also stunk at Spanish. And we were estupido together. But listen, 24 years later, I remember that as if it was yesterday. I'm really not bitter about that anymore. Actually, she and I saw each other probably 10 years ago, and I talked with her about it, and she was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to scar you. And I was going, that's cool. Just don't do it to anybody else. And she's like, you don't have to worry. I'm retired. Actually, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm teasing about that part. I don't know that she was retired. But, but when we utter words and phrases... We can never ununtter them. And I'm telling you, our words can cause tremendous damage. Now, the book of Proverbs, we've been in a, in a study really all year long looking through the book of Proverbs. And there's a topic that we haven't hit yet. And this is going to kind of be the book end to uh, Proverbs. It's the topic of our words. Proverbs, about 150 times, mentions our tongue, our mouth, our lips. So Proverbs has a lot to say about how we use our words and use our speech. So in light of that, we're starting today a little two-week mini-series called Words with Friends, words that destroy and words that build up. Today we kind of look on the negative side of things, of here's how our words tear down and here's how our words destroy. Next week we'll get to the much more positive side of things. Um, But today again, we're going to look at this. Again, it's not so much to beat us up, but it's so that we can call attention to where God needs to transform us. Does that make sense? Well, let me pray for us. Father God, I confess to you, I'm probably not worthy, not probably, I'm not worthy to be doing this sermon. I can think back to many times in my life where I have totally messed up in these areas. I've hurt people and I've sinned against you by the words that I've said. God, I thank you that you've forgiven me. Lord, my guess is that many here today in this room might have the same level of conviction that I have over my words or our words. And so as we look through Proverbs today, continue to convict us. Show us where we are hurting others and hurting you so that we might not sin against you any longer. As we look through how our words can literally destroy people, help us to know that you forgive, that you restore, and help us to change our ways. Above all, God, help us to fall more in love with you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So words have power. When God spoke... In Genesis, he said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Now, our words don't carry that kind of power, but our words definitely carry power. They carry a meaning. They're almost a spiritual kind of a content. They're seed, living seeds that we spew out of our mouths. And some of those seeds are good fruit and really encourage people. And other of those seeds are bad and bitter fruit. And lest you think I'm being dramatic, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now there's, I think there's three quick aspects of that that I want you to understand. is that physically, words can actually cause harm in people's lives. Wars have been fought over kings who had words with one another. 
People have lost their lives, tragically, because of words that were spoken to them. We read about periodically about people who have been bullied, maybe on Facebook or at school, and they take their life. And it comes down to people didn't treat them right. People said things to them that were hurtful and scarred and wounded them. We have to be very, very careful with our words because they can cause physical harm to us. But not only that, they can cause psychological harm to us. Words impact us. Name a child stupid or dull or a stupido, and they will spend the rest of their lives trying to prove you wrong. And they'll tell your story 24 years later if they get a chance. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't tell her name. Socially, words will destroy. I've seen this happen time and time again where where gossip starts among friends. And I'll go back to my student ministry days so you don't think I'm talking about any one of you today. But in student ministry, I can remember small groups that had been together really since birth. They would hit like 10th grade and all of a sudden one of them would start gossiping about the other for whatever reason. And friendships were destroyed over words that were said. Now again, adults, we do the same thing today. We've got to be very, very careful. So if words matter, if words have the power over life and death, we've got to make sure then, we've got to make sure then that we use them correctly and that we avoid the pitfalls. And so we're going to look at seven ways that Proverbs tells us that our tongue can cause destruction in people's lives. And the first way is this. It's a tongue that speaks perverse language. Perverse language is really a kind of a broad catch-all category. It covers everything from evil speech to profanity to derogatory speech. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 24 says, Put away perversity from your mouths. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. And unfortunately, perverse speech has become a norm in our culture. I mean, it's, it's derogatory speech, putting other people down, has become one of the main ways of comedy. In our culture today. And I see this in people. Like I see this in, um, in adults. You'll have a husband and a wife. And the, and the, the wife will tell a, a, a funny story about her husband. Putting him down. And on the inside he may be smiling a little bit. I mean on the outside he's smiling a little bit. But on the inside he's damaged. Vice versa on that. We have to be very, very, very careful. That we don't get into derogatory speaking. Movies in our culture will add certain words so that they can get an R rating because there's a belief that an R-rated movie will make more money than a G-rated movie. And most of the time, they're right. Cursing has become so common and accepted in our society. A few years ago, I was at a Georgia Tech game, and I know, let me stop some of you because you're going, that's your problem. I shouldn't have been at the Tech game. (laughs) Yeah? Some of you are thinking that. But the guy that I was sitting next to, not the guy that I came with, but the guy that I was sitting next to, he couldn't utter a sentence without profanity spewing out of his mouth. And it was ridiculous. I was so thankful I wasn't there with my kids. But I try to keep my kids from that, right? I try to protect them from it. And, and Luke, the other day, he's riding his bike from my house to my, my mom's house. So he's going to grandma's house. It's like a four or five minute bike ride. He's riding along the bike trail. And apparently he doesn't move over far enough for these other kids who are coming the other way on the bike trail. And so they start cussing at him. And you're going, man, come on. This is ridiculous. We... We've got to be careful. Followers of Christ, we've got to be very, very careful how we use our words. So I have a question for you that I want, to, want you to ask yourself later on. It's this. Would the words that I say, or the, the, would the, I say the words that come out of my mouth, 
if Jesus were actually physically sitting next to me, would I utter these words? Would I say this joke? If Jesus were physically sitting next to me. Because you know what? Jesus is sitting next to you. Yeah. Now I know you can't touch him, but Jesus is there. So you've got to be careful with how you use your, your words. Proverbs also describes, there's a second thing it describes, that our tongues can cause destruction. And it's a tongue that speaks deceitful flattery. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 24 through 25, says this. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven abominations fill his heart. What is deceitful flattery? It is insincere compliments spoken with deceptive motives. I mean, kind of a benign way we see this in our culture and in our world is when people are trying to sell us things, right? I can remember going, uh, when I was in China, and we went to the Silk Market, which is an area where you could buy all kinds of clothes and suitcases and whatever else you could find there. And as you're walking down these little crowded aisles and you're looking at stuff, people would go, oh, you're my friend. I've missed you, and if you wear this jacket, you're going to be the coolest person in the entire world, or whatever it is that they were telling us at the time, all so that we would buy their stuff. We do that here in America, too, so don't think I'm just making fun of another country. We have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful with our speech. The goal of deceitful flattery is to gain favor with someone, to try to get them to do something probably for you, to get something in return. Now, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but, but not too much. You might remember the show Leave It to Beaver. Yes? Some of you? If you're too young, you don't remember that, don't worry. Um, but for people my age, we watched reruns of Leave It to Beaver, just to make it clear. And so, <laughs> as I was watching reruns of Leave It to Beaver, there's a character in that show whose name is Eddie Haskell. Right? That's the guy, that's deceitful flattery. He's the one he would speak to, you know, Wally and Beaver's parents, and he was like the most perfect kid in front of them and the things that he would say. But as soon as the adults were gone, he was the jerk, wasn't he? He was the one that was stirring up all of the trouble. Don't be him. Don't be him. We've got to make sure that in our relationships, the words that we say to people, we've got to make sure that they're sincere. And don't misunderstand, we are to make sure that we compliment people. We are to make sure that we encourage them. But the difference between affirmation and deceitful flattery is the motivation behind it. Why are you saying what you're saying? If it's to get something in return, it's deceitful flattery. And Scripture says you need to be careful of that and not do it. If it's genuine encouragement with no expectation of getting something back, then you should speak it to people. Because not only... Can words destroy? But words can create tremendous life in people. And we'll talk some more about that next week. But words can also create tremendous life. There's a third, oh wait, question for you. You need to ask yourself this. What is the motivation for the words that I speak to people? In other words, why do I say these things to people? You need to ask yourself that. Proverbs describes a third way that our tongues can cause destruction. And it's this. It's tongues that engage in gossip. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13 says, A gossip betrays confidence. What is gossip? Gossip is telling tales that should not be told. They're true, but they shouldn't be told. Throughout Scripture, God reserves some of His harshest rebukes for gossips. He despises them because of the 
damage that it does to people. Now, I remember being told this story when I was in a, a student in our student ministry here at this church. And this, it's the story of, of a man who had been gossiped about. And the young man who had been gossiping about the older man finally came under conviction and realized that what he had been doing was gossiping and telling stories about this gentleman. And so he went to the older gentleman and said, I, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I have spread gossip about you. And the old man said, all right, I, I forgive you. He said, but I want you to do something. I want you to take this bag of feathers and I want you to go down to the corner of Main Street and 5th. And when the wind starts to blow, I want you to dump those feathers out and watch what happens. And then come back and tell me about it. So the young man went, okay, I'll go do that. Sounds kind of crazy, but yes, I'll do it. So he goes down to the corner, Main Street and 5th. The wind starts to blow. He dumps the feathers out. And what happens to all the feathers? They go everywhere. I mean, they're down every street in every direction, going around the bends and stuff. And so he, he watched what happened. He went back and told the old man, said, all right, look, I did what you asked. And the older man said, okay, now I want you to go back and pick up all of those feathers. And the young man went, I, I can't do that. That's impossible. There's no telling where all of those feathers are at this point in time. And the older man said, you know what? I forgive you. But I just need you to know and understand the damage that you have done to my reputation. You can never really ever take back, right? Listen, that's a cheesy story, isn't it? It's cheesy. It didn't happen. It was a metaphor. But you know what it is for me? Every time I start to hear gossip, or every time I'm tempted to start saying about gossip, you know what I remember? I remember that cheesy story about the dude who had to put feathers out everywhere. And it's a reminder, and I'd like to say that I get it 100% of the time, but it's a reminder to not engage in that. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. So when you hear gossip, don't listen to it. End it. Take the fuel away from the fire and end it. When someone tries to tell you gossip, tell them to stop and tell them this. It's not any of my business and it's not any of yours. How'd the Braves do last night? Change the subject. Do whatever you can. Just don't listen to it and put an end to it. So a question to examine yourself is, do you love to tell or hear juicy stories about other people? Proverbs gives us a fourth way that our tongues can cause destruction in people. And it's a tongue that engages in slander. Slander is very similar to gossip. The difference is, is that while gossip is telling true stories, or mostly true stories about people, slander is telling false stories about people. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 18, describes slander like a club, a sword, or an arrow. In other words, it's describing slander as a weapon that causes tremendous damage to people. Now listen, this one actually made it into the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Why? Well, because of the damage that it does to people. You see, when we slander, we are intentionally making up false stories that hurt people. And we have to remember this, church. We have to remember that God sent His Son Jesus to die for everybody. Every single person. Now, there are people that reject Him. And that don't accept him. But, but he died for everybody. And so when we slander someone, when we make up a, a story and tell it about someone to try to cause harm to them, we are trying to cause harm to someone that Jesus died for. Now that ought to change our perspective just a little bit, yes? So a question for yourself. 
Do I truly and fairly represent people in my speech? There's a fifth way Proverbs describes that our tongues can cause destructive behavior. And it's by being argumentative. It's being one that starts arguments or utilizes angry angry words with people. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17 says, A quick-tempered, or some of your translations might say, A hot-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man is hated. This passage uses the phrase quick-tempered or hot-tempered, and if you were to go through and look at that, it's like describing someone who is a pot full of boiling water. And when that pot gets jostled a little bit, that burning water, boiling water, gets spewed out onto the people and the things around it, that cause, and it causes damage. Now, I've shared this story with you before, but in my past, I struggled with having a quick and hot temper. When Lindsay and I got married, uh, someone gave us one of those rolling tool chests. It's about yay high. You know, the red ones that hold all the, the stuff. Well, anyway, it has a sliding door kind of at the bottom of it. You can pick it up and slide it back. And I got frustrated at something that I was working on out in the, out in the garage and, and hit that, the door to that thing. Slammed it and hit it. I, mean, I didn't keep beating on it just for the record, but I did hit it. But I hit it hard enough to cause damage to it. It bent to where the door actually won't close any longer. Now, I kept that thing. I didn't fix it. And there was a reason why I did that, because now when I drive home, 17 years later, I open my car door, and you know what I see first? I see that little tool chest with a door that's messed up. And it is a constant reminder to me to not be the hot-tempered person. We have to be very, very careful with our words and how we behave. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14 says, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. I love that picture, except for the damage that it causes. But there's a dam and there's water behind it building up and building up and building up. And suddenly there's so much pressure that the dam breaks. And the water rushes out. And when you start a quarrel with someone with argumentative words, it's like breaching a dam. It doesn't have to be done. This verse is really teaching us that we shouldn't seek out quarrels and fights. It's better to drop the matter. I want to be clear. This is not saying that you should never have different opinions or you never should have a debate with someone or you should never engage in constructive confrontation. And, And to be sure, we are to be angry over the right things. You know, as a matter of fact, it's not even that that anger is a sin. It's unresolved anger that causes the problem. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27 says, Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't let the devil have a foothold. In other words, God is telling us there in that passage that we are to take anger seriously and we are to take dramatic steps to resolve that anger. Otherwise, we're giving Satan a foothold in our lives. Now, reality is sometimes you might have to go to bed, right? Because you're in one of those intense conversations with your spouse. We'll call it an argument. And it gets to be like 2.30 in the morning. And your kids are going to wake up at 6. And you know if you don't get any sleep, it's going to be bad for the kids, right? So what you do in that situation is you look one another in the eye and you say, you know what, I love you tremendously. I'm committed to this relationship. We're going to work this out together. And while we've got to go to bed, we're going to work this out as soon as we get the kids off to school, right? The point is is that you take dramatic action and you don't allow anger to continue to fester. 
finally, regarding anger, sometimes we just have to simply overlook the offense that caused the anger. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is, it is to his glory to overlook an offense. In other words, give people the benefit of the doubt. Chances are, if your spouse was a little bit late coming home from work, they weren't doing it to intentionally make life hard for you. Give them the benefit of the doubt. So a question to ask yourself is, am I, quick, am I quick-tempered and quickly angered? Do my words start quarrels with people? Proverbs gives us a sixth way that our tongues can cause destruction. And it's this, a tongue that is boastful. Now we all know what this one looks like. We typically don't like being around people who only talk about themselves, do we? Anybody like being around people like that? No. Nobody likes to be around people like that. We don't like to be around people who brag about all the cool stuff that they've gotten to do or all the cool stuff that they have or all the cool things that they're going to get to do. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. This verse is saying to us, don't brag about what you'll have, what you'll do tomorrow, because we don't know what's going to happen. But Proverbs really kind of expands boastfulness just a little bit for us. In Proverbs chapter 25 verse 14, it says this, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts he does not give. This passage is saying, don't boast about, don't tell someone you're going to do something for them and then not do it. That is the equivalent of boasting of things. And just as a farmer who would be very upset to watch his crop back in that day wither up and die because of the lack of rain, and he might see rain clouds or clouds off in the distance, and he's going, yes, it's going to rain, and those clouds don't ever come his way. Or when they do, no rain comes out. He would be really, really frustrated, right? Same thing for us. If we say we will do something for someone, and yet we don't, according to Proverbs chapter 25, that is a man who boasts of gifts that he does not give. And as a matter of fact, this week as I was working on this sermon, I was convicted of that in, in, in my life, of where I had told my youngest son, Luke, that I would hang up a sword that I got for him. Not that sword, just for clarity, but a sword that I got for him. And I had told him when I got it about a month ago, I said, look, I'll get it hung up on your wall. And I'm writing the sermon, I'm going, okay, have I, ever, have I done that recently? Oh gosh, I've promised my son I'd get this thing hung. So I stopped doing what I was doing, I stopped working and I went over to his room, he wasn't home, and hung the sword on the wall. It took me ten minutes, it wasn't a big deal. But listen, it was a big deal to him, because when he came home that day and he saw that it was hung, he thought it was the coolest thing in the world that his sword was finally hung on the wall. We've got to make sure we follow through with what we say we're going to do, yes? So the question to ask yourself is, am I prideful? Do I only talk about myself? I added that one, so that's not going to be on the screen. Do I only talk about myself? Do I follow through with my commitments? There's a seventh way Proverbs describes that our tongues can cause destruction. And it's one that tells lies. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips. And I don't think we can get much clearer than that, right? The Lord detests lying lips. Why does God hate lies so much? Why does he detest it? Well, I think it's because of this. Who's God's enemy? Satan. I heard somebody say it. Satan is God's enemy. How is Satan described in Scripture? The father of lies. 
And so when you and I speak words that aren't truth, that are lies, we are reflecting Satan's character instead of God's character. And I don't know anybody who really truly understands who Satan is. I don't know anybody who really wants to reflect his character. I mean, as followers of Christ, we're all, we all are about reflecting who God is. So when we speak lies, we're actually, for a period of time at least, reflecting Satan's character. And God hates it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9 says, Don't lie to each other. Just don't do it. Resist then the temptation to embellish. We are to resist the temptation to tell that small half-truth. And instead, we are to practice Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, which says that we are to speak the truth in love. So the question for evaluation for yourself later is, do, are the words that I speak spoken in truth and love? I have a little bit of homework for you that may be tough for some of you. And it may lead to some maybe intense conversation for just a little bit. But I think it will help you if you're open, especially if you go into it saying, okay, I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm not going to get upset. I want you to, if you're married, go to your spouse and ask them, how am I doing in these seven areas? Am I a quick-tempered person? Do I boast? Do you see me telling lies? Listen, and be open to the feedback because here's what I think for a lot of us in our society today. I think many of us, I think we've done some of these things for so long that we don't even know that we're doing them. And so give someone permission to speak into your life to say, you know what, John, you're still a little quick-tempered sometimes and here's where I see that. That's not to beat me up. It's so that, good grief, so that I can get better, Right? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. The band's going to be working their way up here. As you're bowing your head and closing your eyes, I've got to make sure you understand something. Following Christ is not about us cleaning up our acts. If you walk away from today's service and you think, I've just got to do better in all of seven of these areas, then in part I've failed. Because as we've gone through these seven areas and seven ways that our tongues cause destruction, you know what I see in, in me? As I see someone who is still in need of a Savior, you know what I mean? Areas where I still mess up. And so here's the reality. You don't clean up your life to make God love you. You come to Christ and you ask Him to work on you, and He's, he's going to work with you and on you over your lifetime. I mean, like, so, and Christians, you know what I'm talking about here. When you become a Christian, you don't become automatically perfect, right? No. So if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to spend the next few minutes praying and asking God the same homework question I gave you to ask your spouse or if you're not married by the way find a good friend a trusted friend that you could speak with but, but ask God the Holy Spirit now to, to look at your life and say okay are there areas of my life where I'm doing these seven things and if you bring something to mind ask for his forgiveness rejoice in the fact that you are forgiven 
And then if you need to go tell someone you're sorry, go do it. But now I also know in a a room this size filled with this many people that there are some people who don't yet have a relationship with Christ. Well, for you, your next step is to become a follower of Jesus. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And so, if this morning you realized you need a relationship with Christ, then what you're to do is to pray this prayer. And let me say, if you get these words a little wrong, it's okay, because it's not a magic prayer. It's not magic sentences. God's concerned about what's going on in the inside of you. But tell God something like this. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask you to come into my life to be my leader. In other words, God, I'm giving you control of who I am. And to be my forgiver. God, forgive me for my sin, my choosing to go my own way. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask that you'd let us know about it. The communication card that Andrew talked about earlier in the service, if you flip that over on the back, there's a box at the top that says, today I'm becoming a follower of Jesus. And if you'll check that box and let us know that you became a follower of Jesus today, then we'll get in contact with you this week and we're going to help you on that journey. That's why we exist as a church is to help people connect with Christ and to grow in Him. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. God, help us. Help our words to not cause destruction. God, give us the courage to have some great conversations this afternoon. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.